0: hard when a good show ends, but here at Epic, we got you. While we get our next show queued up, I have a treat for you. It's an interview with Joel Dane, the man behind Marigold Breach. Realm's own Diana Foe, who also happens to be the story producer, sat down with Joel to talk about his story inspiration, the process of adapting a novella, how it felt to hear that Jamila and Manny were going to bring his story to life, and so much more. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC.
1: Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times best-selling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: I know that no one wants to hear me talk about this interview anymore. You want to get to the good stuff. So let's go. I'm your host, Faith McQuinn, and I am so excited to take you behind the scenes of Marigold Breach.
2: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is some behind the scenes with Joel Dane, the writer behind the show Marigold Breach. I'm Diana M. Faux the producer behind Marigold Breach, and I am super excited to talk to you today, Joel. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well.
2: Fantastic. So a little bit about uh, Joel's background. Joel Dane's father and five of his uncles fought in World War II. So the war stories he was raised on were empathetically anti-fascist. His mother served a much longer tour as a school teacher. and together those two perspectives inform his writing. <laughs> There's plenty of explosions and gunfire, but he tries to focus on what people are fighting for and against and to never stop asking questions. He is the author of more than 20 novels, including the Cry Pilot Military Sci-Fi Trilogy, and wrote a dozen episodes of a Netflix original series. And of course, Miracle Breach. I am so happy we get to chat today, Joel. It's pretty exciting to have a peek about what goes into developing a show. I know I have a lot of conversations about people who are curious about the audio space, about podcasts, especially coming from writers. So I hope this conversation can help inform people about what it takes to uh, create that audio lift to bring stories to life for your, our ears. I guess to start our conversation, can you talk a little bit about your inspiration behind writing Marigold Breach?
1: Well, first, I have to say it is really exciting to be doing audio because I've done a lot of other projects and I've never done something that was a dedicated audio project this way. So, you know, I feel that excitement too of people who are wondering how to get into it and how does it work. And it's been just, you know, it's, it's been exciting and fulfilling and just a, a, a fun process. The inspiration itself, the first spark came a little bit out of left field. There's a graphic novel series uh, called Usagi Yojimbo by Stan Sakai, which is about a ronin in the sort of ancient fantasy version of Japan. And it's just shockingly beautifully done. I've loved it for forever. And the main character wanders from village to city to forest, mountains, and there's action, there's sword play, there's magic. But the heart of it is there's a real sweetness to it. And some of the episodes are very short, and some are even wordless, where Usagi just appreciates nature or helps peasants with the harvest. Something like that that isn't a. It has this spine of of conflict. He's you know he's a swordsman. He's but it but it has also this lovely sensibility to it. And I, I wanted to capture an episodic feel in a world with a lot of hope, but also with just loads of built-in conflict. So that was basically the start. And of course, Ben's appreciation of beauty is, <laughs> is strongly inspired by Usagi's relationship with nature. I want to have a character in a military sci-fi story who was oriented toward, and especially on an alien planet, was oriented toward beauty and toward the, this sort of the unfamiliar and the, the, the gorgeous. So that's the first spark. But also there's, there's a whole genre. There's many stories about the wandering Ronin or the High Plains Drifter in westerns or in more modern characters like Jack Reacher or the Mandalorian, a loner who shows up in a new place and, and fights the baddies. And I love, you know, I always love those stories, and I want the elements of that. But there's something that's a little bit too traditionally male-coded, let's call it, about the lone wolf who rolls to town and punches problems. So with Lucan in Marigold Breach, I wanted to develop a character who was, in a lot of ways, the opposite of that. He's not a loner. His strength comes from his connection and from his embeddedness and his relationships, not from his solitude. And I think that the most fundamental fact about Lucan is his link to the person he loves. That's where his power comes from. So that altogether is where I started.
2: That's really great. And I what I really enjoy about Luke and Ben's relationship that you don't typically see in space adventure is the fact that while we can be blown away by beautiful world building and distant planets and the, other, the alien nature that comes in science fiction, it really brings a sense of humanity and heart to the story that... We can be wowed by a concept or by some strange, you know, flora and fauna, but it's really the people and the relationships that, you know, people have together that root us and make us cheer for a story and make us, makes us feel emotionally invested. And that's definitely the strongest sense I got when I first looked at Marigold Breach. I was like, wow, their, their relationship is just the key to the story. And it really pulls everything along.
1: Yeah, for me, every story has to be a love story. It can not necessarily romantic, but you know, I, I really want that. I want just that sense of connection. I mean, that's what I read for when I read. So I it's what I write for when I write.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but we can also talk about the setting too, which is it's pretty amazing. Uh it's, it's very imaginative and creative. And I want us to explore that a bit further. It's Marigold Breach is set on this desert planet, uh, far, far away from Earth. And there's a bunch of different Human communities that populate this planet. The you know show itself focuses on two of them that Lugan and Ben get involved with. There's the homesteaders and scrubjacks. Joel, do you want to talk a little bit about the dynamic between these two communities? And was that inspired by anything in our world at all?
1: Well, the dynamic is yeah, on the surface, it looks it's basically a, a solar punk farming community against a militarized regimented militia, which is maybe not entirely <laughs> unfamiliar to our world and to our references. And the homesteaders are trying to live gently on the planet while the scrubjacks are trying to change the planet to suit themselves. But while the scrubjacks are definitely the antagonists, they're not motivated by selfishness. They're not greedy or power hungry. They are power hungry, but that's not the goal. And I, I didn't want the scrubjacks to read too much like our contemporary villains because uh, I guess first, because our contemporary villains tend to require way too much suspension of disbelief. I'm not sure you could write our contemporary villains in such a way that was believable in a fiction. <laughs> so so I, I, I didn't want to mirror that too closely. I guess I would say that I see the Scrubjacks as more of a response to a well-intentioned kind of hero this sort of square-jawed tough guy who makes the hard calls and who, and who often at least in the older military sci-fi is extremely conveniently proven correct so it was a in some ways a kind conversation with the genre to me in response to the genre that i grew up with but this story obviously is more welcoming to the homesteader style of toughness which i think is way more admirable and a lot harder to pull off where you live more uh, when, you, when you seek that that balance and i guess in our word going back to the you know what it's inspired by, there's a lot of people, myself included sometimes, who find it difficult to accept change in expectations or in circumstances or even in language sometimes. But the homesteaders really embrace that kind of thing and it's what makes them heroes. So I, I think that's where I was coming from with them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's what I really appreciate about the homesteader life because you're right, in a lot of genre fiction You know, certain types of people in certain communities, you know, tend to be emphasized as being heroic and being, you know, the most important. And it's oftentimes roles and communities that are seen as more nurturing or more community focused as a little bit of, you know, a background. Like this is the backdrop where a hero figure could come in as opposed to the community itself being a hero in a dozen little small ways.
1: Yeah, I very much felt that was where I was, I was going with it. I just, it's so important to me that that be what gets centered. I mean, obviously it's about Luke and it's about Zen and there's a lot of bang, bang, and all that, which is great, and I love it. But, uh, I mean, you know, you wouldn't want, you know, The Mandalorian, you know, without that kind of thing. That's, it's, but, yeah, I did want to very intentionally to center the, the sense that this community is at, at the heart of what's going on and is, is stronger, you know, is in some ways a protagonist, or at least not a character.
2: And to uh, turn our conversation a bit about how do we adapt this into audio, because when I first saw Marigold Breach, it started its life as a novella that was pitched around. Uh, so did you ever envision this story to be told as an audio piece? Are you a fan of podcasts at all? <laughs>
1: um, well, my actually my very first instinct was to write Marigold Breach as a novel, because that's always my first instinct. That's how I mostly what I do. But then as I talked about The inspirations, the story itself felt like it wants to be told in smaller sequences. So in the very beginning, I barely even envisioned it as a novella, much less uh, as audio. I wrote it that way because it felt right. And then, of course, well, I don't know if listeners will know this, but you are a multiple award-winning editor. So of course I'd heard of you and you were at Realm. So I was thrilled to send it to you uh, and uh, talk about behind the scenes. Well, but I've had books produced in audio, but I never envisioned this story in this format at all. It really came out, it really came for me from you're the point where of intersection kind of where where it all happened. And in terms of being a fan of podcasts, I came to them a little late. I loved audiobooks for a long time. When my kid was young, we listened to Beverly Cleary and Frindle and Percy Jackson on repeat for years. And I've been amazed to see what looks to me like the resurgence of an art form. So I'm increasingly a fan. Uh, Spider King is one of the first podcasts I get into, which is Horror and thriller and creepy and, and and very smart. And it opened my eyes a little bit to what is possible in audio and what's, what's happening now. More recently, I've been listening to Overleaper, which is right up my street. It's military sci-fi that is really grounded in these details that I think you need when you're writing in a, in a fantasy or a science fiction world. It, it grounds it so strongly and grounds the listener so strongly that it can then launch uh, the story into new and different directions. I don't want to give away twists, but yeah, there are twists. So that's what I'm listening to these days.
2: Yeah, thanks. You know, it's it's really exciting to hear about people that are being reintroduced to a very old medium and discovering that you can still be surprised. Or I didn't expect a podcast to be like this, but you know, <laughs> this is uh, a really fantastic evolving medium. It's not like the old timey nineteen, you know, thirties and forties radio shows, even though there's so much that harkens back to that long tradition. you know. And I constantly am amazed about what we can do in audio now, what people are hungry for, and really like the growth of stories, you know, like Marigold Breach and other forms of genre narrative storytelling specifically, really making a home in the podcast space.
0: This episode of Epic is brought to you by Wild Grain. I want you to take a moment and imagine the smell of fresh baked sourdough bread filling your house. Or maybe it's croissants, if that's more to your liking. Now, what if I told you that you could get this delicious experience without covering yourself in flour and without leaving your house? Well, you can, if you order from Wild Grain. What's Wild Grain? Well, it is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box. You get sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and pastries that go from your freezer to your oven and ready to serve in 25 minutes or less. I just got my first box and it had three different sourdough loaves, biscuits, croissants, and two different kinds of pasta. I made the orange cranberry biscuits right away. And I cannot tell you how wonderful my house smelled and they tasted even better scallops and wild grains fresh fettuccine is on the menu for this week and i plan to pair it with the olive oil ciabatta loaf (sighs) doesn't that sound so good if you're a carb lover like me and you want good carbs free of preservatives and artificial colors and flavors then you'll want to get a subscription right away And now you can fully customize your wild grain box. So you can choose any combination of breads, pastas and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas or only pastries if you'd like. Plus for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus Free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com/epic to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com/epic. That's wildgrain.com/epic or you can use promo code EPIC at checkout.
2: And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like
0: funny, true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So in thinking about our process working together, it it was a long one, I have to admit. Uh, we, uh, (laughs) we, (laughs) We learned a lot through the process, but I think it's definitely worth talking about how the adaption process was for you. A little bit from my end about thinking of how we can format things in audio and how our process really changed and evolved like bit by bit as we uh, push this to its final form.
1: As you know, I've I've been in publishing a long time and I've done some screenwriting as well. And uh, in publishing, a writer is often given a lot more control and authority over the, the words on the page which in my experience in screenwriting wasn't so much the case. So uh, there was a moment in the adaptation process when we were rewriting the novella into an audio script and we went from working in the word processor to working in the screenplay software. And I panicked a little because to me, it felt like we were shifting into, into Hollywood culture. And to me, that felt like a, a, wet, a red flag. And I was like, oh, here we go. Diana's gonna start giving me notes. Like what if instead of an AI, Van is a, a talking lizard or a cloud or a cucumber. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I was worried that, that you were gonna wanna change the story more than I was comfortable with. Of course, none of that happened. And for me, the actual process was one of paring back the tech and moving as much as possible uh, into dialogue, losing descriptions of the sounds or motions that were easily conveyed by sound, like you know the doors opening, people walking, gunfire. There's so many things that it, it took a while for me to realize these are not only can they be portrayed via audio, but they're better portrayed via audio it, it, and, uh, and to, to trust the audio process. So it was a real learning experience for me as, as we went through the various stages of this. And my favorite thing, I think, was in the very end when uh, you and Fred, who's the director of audio, would uh, would would ask for another moment of me to add a moment of dialogue or a, a moment of action or whatever it was. Mostly dialogue, but for, for pacing to button a scene or to strengthen a moment. And I would give a few options and then you would pick one of them to run with. And I really enjoyed the the. The chance to sort of give you the multiple choice, (laughs) choose your (laughs) adventure element of that, which was just and it was just fun. It was was part of a a process that I haven't I haven't engaged in before, so I really I really enjoyed it. And but it was it was challenging. It was it's it's a new way of thinking about a reader or a listener, and and how much information you have to give them to make sure they're tracking exactly what's Mm -hmm. going on.
2: Yeah, and uh, on my end, on top of being in the audio space, I also have a background in theater, so. It's, it was exciting to be in a place where like, oh, I get, in a sense, to impact characters in a way for this show that I would have never done as a book editor. Uh, in terms of thinking about how can we adapt this to an audio space, but also just giving a lot more of a collaborative, creative feel, a little bit more you know, ability for the actors to explore the characters in ways that even you and I, Joel, might have not thought about. I think part of the joy of working in audio drama specifically is that it is, you know, it's an art medium that is a team effort. So while books are also, for those who aren't familiar with, like, the bookmaking process, the editorial process is collaborative, but it's mostly you know, a one-on-one process between an editor and an author. And it's usually leaning towards the author's favor because the editor's job is to highlight the writer's story. And for audio drama, it is, if you imagine, you know, a physical theater space, you know, and there's the actors on stage, but there's also the entire stage crew. There's the director, there's the makeup artist, there's the, the prop masters, there's lighting, there's all these different elements That make a performance happen. And the same thing happens in audio as well. It's really gratifying to know that when we are pulling the show together behind the scenes, even you may not have seen this part, of course, Joel, but like going to meetings and talking about the show and feeling that everyone else in this, you know, in this, you know, Slack channel or in this Zoom or whatever are on the same page as you because we're all dedicated to making this together. And that in itself is a very rewarding feeling, especially when the show finally comes out and you're like, We did it! We all did it. It's it's pretty fabulous. And one of the highlights you know of the show, of course, is the talent. Marigold Breach really comes to life because it stars Jamil Jamil and Manhattan And Joel, we can talk a little bit more about how we both felt when we heard the casting news, a little bit of lead up towards that. I think it's, it was one of the, the highlights of working on the show is the ability to, like, be with great actors who are, are able to bring Luke and Ben to life.
1: In *Miracle Breach, Henny sort of plays three roles or three situations um, or three perspectives at the same time. He's narrating, and then he's in scenes with other characters and just discussing things with them. But then he also has his internal monologue, which is really an internal dialogue with Ben. And being able to carry all three of those different perspectives forward is really important. So an actor to have the range that he has was just perfect. And then, you know, obviously that's my rational response, whereas my emotional response was the good place. It's Manny and Jamila. So that was that was pretty exciting too. Uh
2: yeah, I had the exact same feeling too. And it's really exciting to have actors who have worked together once before. And then to reunite them in a wholly different project It's exciting for them. It's exciting for the listeners and it's definitely great to be able to explore the opportunity. So to, to wrap up our conversation, you know, I guess like I'll ask a lot of writers who have not written for audio before are very interested in trying their hand at it. Are there any suggestions or resources or tips that you'd want to share of them?
1: Well, you definitely would have a better answer <laughs> to that than I would. But to me, I think it feels like paying attention to the scope of the story is really important. Audio can feel very big and, and it can present sort of the cinematic canvas. I think with someone like Fred working on something, it just, you, you have this huge range. But I suspect that the core of the story has to still stay tight and that you still need a, a certain amount of focus. So I think there's a trick there, but I actually don't really know what it is. And I don't know really if you would agree with that. As far as more practical advice, I guess I would say, obviously, listen to podcasts, read everything. You know, as a writer, there's nothing that doesn't inform you. And then in terms of podcasts in particular, I think you need to have a sense of the size and the shape of the stories. You need to give the actors strong moments, especially strong emotional moments. You really helped me hone that. That was one of the, I think, one of your emphases working with me was to say, this is the emotional arc, the emotional beats that we want to hit in certain places, and uh, you know, you're really guided me there. And then I, the advice that I would give for every writer, no matter what the medium, which is that it's super important that every day, no matter what, you really have to sit down at your desk, your computer, you know, every single day, and remember that no one knows what they're talking about. So you just have to do your best. That's all you can do. So that, that's
2: my advice yeah that that is some really great advice uh I definitely agree <laughs> that it's so easy for people to sit back and say like yes this is you do x y and z what half of it is that that is how they figured out this particular path for this particular story and it could be entirely different for your next project uh you know so i, I definitely agree with you there and in terms from my end what advice I'd give to audio writers or aspiring audio writers, or emerging audio writers, depending on how you like to think about yourself, is to uh, not just like to listen to everything, but be able to think about why was that effective for me as a listener? Whether it is capturing a character's voice in dialogue very effectively, or whether it is being able to uh, describe a scene, knowing that your sound designer is doing you know, over half the job. It's their duty to use sound to help develop the scene. It's the composer's duty to help develop the emotional scene. It's your duty as a writer to give them, you know, the bones in which to build off of. And so knowing that you are allowing other people to play in your world and to be able to imagine your space in ways that uh, is their skill set and their strengths can also lend to the type of story that you feel uh, motivated to write and feel inspired to write in audio. I think those elements are pretty key, Uh, you know, and also just knowing that it is a medium to itself. Uh, It's very easy if you're coming from a different background to uh, have different uh, techniques that are are standards and like standards in screenwriting, standards in novel writing, standards of comics, and then be completely flipped to have a total 180 because you are not telling a story with your eyes, but you're telling a story with a different sense uh, entirely. So just coming in, knowing that all of your assumptions about writing can be completely questioned, but your sense of storytelling will always be intact. And that should be the driving factor, is the advice I would give to writers.
1: I knew you'd have great advice.
2: <laughs> Thanks. You know, it's, and, and again, it, it's it's a, it's a journey, but it's also, I think, you know, for any other project we work together in the future, for, for anything else I do in audio, I'll probably have a whole different set of lessons <laughs> learned too afterwards. Um, but thank you again for for your time. And I just really like, the you know, being able to hang out with you and to talk shop. Uh, and I hope our listeners also enjoy this.
1: Well, thank you, Diana. Yeah, me too. I agree.
2: And for listeners that are interested in... Uh, getting a more in-depth look into Marigold Breach and Joel's writing, I definitely suggest that you check out the novella that the show was based on. We sell it at Realm. It will also be available on all platforms where you buy your eBooks. I hope you have a chance to check it out and really enjoy looking at Ven and Lucan in a new light.
0: I think we all can agree that Marigold Breach is a phenomenal story right and that Joel is an excellent storyteller of course but it's time to leave space behind for now meet me back here next time as we set off on a new adventure
2: Marigold Breach is a Realm original production Realm your portal to another world listen away Epic is produced by Mary Asadolahi and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Latshaw. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Faith McQuinn. Audio editing and original theme by Sam Bogala. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Epic by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.